You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Mustafa Jaan Rahmat Pilakhon Salam Shamae Bazme Hidayat Pilakhon Salam Samein Radio Ramadan 87.7 FM se program Reflections liye huye hum this is your host Zubair Akram with reflections on 21st of May, uh, 21st of Ramadan, 4th of May. I have with me, as always, uh, my guest Sheikh Ridwan Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam. Yeah, I couldn't hear you the first time. Sheikh, inshallah, today we just switch a section of Surah Anbiya. Uh, Surah Anbiya, 21st Surah of the Quran, and today's ayahs with a translation and commentary, Sheikh Rizwan. In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful. And we saved him from the people who denied our signs. Indeed, they were a people of evil, so we drowned them all together. إذ نفشت فيه غنم القوم وكنا لحكمهم شاهدين. And mentioned David and Solomon when they judged concerning the field, when the sheep of a people overran it at night, and we were witness to their judgment. ففهمناها سليمان وكلا آتينا حكما وعلما. وَسَخَّرْنَا مَعَ دَاوُدَ الْجِبَالَ يُسَبِّحْنَ وَالطَّيْرَ وَكُنَّا فَاعِلِينَ And we gave understanding of the case to Solomon, and to each of them we gave judgment and knowledge. And we subjected the mountains to exalt us, along with David and also the birds. And we were doing that. وعلمناه صنعة لبوس لكم لتحصنكم من بأسكم فهل أنتم شاكرون؟ And we taught him the fashioning of coats of armor to protect you from your enemy in battle. So will you then be grateful? ولسليمان الريح عاصفة تجري بأمره إلى الأرض التي باركنا فيها وكنا بكل شيء عالمين. And to Solomon we subjected the wind blowing forcefully, proceeding by his command toward the land which we had blessed, and we are ever of all things knowing. وَمِنَ الشَّيَاطِينِ مَنْ يَغُوصُونَ لَهُ وَيَعْمَلُونَ عَمَلًا دُونَ ذَلِكَ وَكُنَّا لَهُمْ حَافِظِينَ And of the devils were those who dived for him and did work other than that. And we were of them a guardian. 
حد کا ترجمہ اردو زبان میں کچھ اس طرح سے ہے شروع کرتا ہوں اللہ کے نام سے جو نہایت مہربان بہت رحم کرنے والا ہے سورہ انبیاء اکیسویں سورت قرآن حکیم کی اور آیات ہیں ستتر سا چوراسی سیونٹی سیون سے ایٹی فور تک اور فرمایا گیا کہ نجات دی اور اس قوم کے مقابلے میں اس کی مدد کی جس نے ہماری آیات کو جھٹلا دیا تھا وہ بڑے برے لوگ تھے پس ہم نے ان سب کو غرق کر دیا اور اسی نعمت سے ہم نے داود اور سلیمان کو سرفراز کیا یاد کرو وہ موقع جب کہ وہ دونوں ایک کھیت کے مقدمے میں فیصلہ کر رہے تھے جس میں رات کے وقت دوسرے لوگوں کی بکریاں پھیل گئی تھیں اور ہم نے ان کی عدالت خود دیکھ رہے تھے اور ہم ان کی عدالت خود دیکھ رہے تھے اس وقت ہم نے صحیح فیصلہ سلیمان کو سمجھا دیا حالانکہ حکم اور علم ہم نے دونوں ہی کو عطا کیا تھا داود کے ساتھ ہم نے پہاڑوں اور پرندوں کو مسخر کر دیا جو تسبیح کرتے تھے اس فیل کے کرنے والے ہم ہی تھے اور ہم نے اس کو تمہارے فائدے کے لیے ذرہ بنانے کی صنعت سکھا دی تھی تاکہ تم ایک دوسرے کو مار سے بچائے پھر کیا تم شکر گزار ہو خر کر دیا جو اس کے حکم سے اس سرزمین کی طرف چلتی تھی جس میں ہم نے برکتیں رکھی ہیں ہم ہر چیز کا علم رکھنے والے تھے اور شیاطین میں سے ہم نے ایسے بہت سو کو ان کا تابع بنا دیا تھا جو اس کے لیے غوطے لگاتے اور اس کے سوا دوسرے کام کرتے تھے ان سب کے نگران ہم ہی تھے اور یہی ہوش مندی اور حکم اور علم کی نعمت ہم نے ایوب کو دی تھی یاد کرو جب کہ اس نے اپنے رب کو پکارا کہ مجھے بیماری لگ گئی ہے تو ارحم الرحمین ہے ہم نے اس کی دعا قبول کی اور جو تکلیف اسے تھی اس کو دور کر دیا اور صرف اس کے اہل و عیال ہی کو نہیں صرف اس کے اہل و عیال ہی اس کو نہیں دیے بلکہ ان کے ساتھ اتنے ہی اور بھی دیے اپنی خاص رحمت کے طور پر اور اس لیے کہ یہ ایک سبق ہو عبادت گزاروں کے لیے صدق اللہ العظیم یہ آیات تھیں سیونٹی سیون سے ایٹی فور تک شیخ لوڈیڈ آیات آیات ٹوڈے الحمد للہ لاٹس آف لاٹس آف اسٹوریز ان دس اینڈ فرام ڈفرینٹ پروفٹس داؤد سلیمان اینڈ ابراہیم علیہ السلام اسٹوری فنشڈ اینڈ پرائمرلی سلیمان اینڈ داؤد علیہ السلاۃ السلام اسٹوریز سو لیٹ اسٹارٹ ود وی ہیو گیون انگلش اینڈ اردو And let's start from where we ended yesterday. Yeah, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. I think we ended up with a discussion about the the Prophet um, Nuh alayhi salatu wasalam. And we said that, you know, after having mentioned Prophet Ibrahim and the, you know, the, the verses are interesting because this chapter is about the Prophets. The first real mention of the Prophets comes when Allah in passing mentions the Prophet Moses and his, um, you know, fellow prophet Harun and then it goes on to the, the extended discussion about one episode in the story of the prophet Ibrahim at an age when he was not yet declared prophet, a prophet but there was a premonition about the prophecy that he'd be given by just this innate understanding that he was given and then it jumps from there to a linkage to his nephew who's the prophet Lot who is sent to Sodom and Gomorrah and they're destroyed and, and the story is presented here in, 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 in passing again. So what we find here is that 
Surat al-Anbiya is about named after prophets. We're giving, we're given an overview, quick overview of almost like the summary of an important part of their lives. And for the Prophet Ibrahim والسلام, there's many episodes you could have chosen. You could have chosen the building of the Kaaba, the, 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 the information and news about him being given a child. You could have, you know, the story of him, you know, in this situation being placed in the, in, in the depths of the fire. All these different episodes in his life are very, very important. But it gives this one which is central to his being almost the father of all prophets, which is all prophets taught Tawheed. And to be able to establish that and prove that at such a young age indicates one of the reasons why he is considered to be the father of prophets. So almost like there's a there's a hierarchy of prophets understood in this kind of um, chapter as well. And then after the Prophet Lut, it goes to you know one of the earliest um, narratives of prophets in terms of struggle. You know, if you look at the Prophet Adam wasn't the first prophet. He his struggle is essentially you would say an internal struggle if you think about it. And it's not as if he's fighting against shirk. His, if you think if he's, if you think of his challenge, interestingly enough, it's a challenge that's internal. It's a challenge which is to, um, you know, to, to, to present rectification of the nafs itself from envy, from anger, especially in terms of his, his children and the offspring and all these things that happen. It's almost as if idolatry and, and idol worship and disbelief in Allah comes out of a very simple, you know, malfunctioning of the human soul and the human psyche, which is envy, anger, rancor, ostentation, pride, these kind of things. And so if you look and strip back everything in terms of where does shirk associate with partners of Allah, where does disobedience to God come from? It comes from, a, 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 you know, a, kind of a seed that's planted within the human being, which if it's not, you know, um, you know, taken and weeded out, it will, you know, it will catch root. It will give fruit, and the fruit will be toxic. And so, the first real challenges in in terms of the Quran about prophets, and the first real um, conflict is the Prophet Nuh And again, the correlation there is the Prophet Lot, his wife, disobeyed him and and was treasonous against him, against him in relation to, the, to his enemies. And the wife of Noah was exactly the same. And that's, you know, it doesn't give you the details, but it just finishes off with verse 70, 77. Allah says, And we, we, we um, you know, drowned them all. In other words, his people. And so this is the, the, the famous story, which is almost perennial and constant in all religious lit literature, regardless of what religion you follow, of some sort of, Flooding event that takes place, no, and so it's in, yeah. So yeah, so that is um, you know it doesn't go into the detail because the important thing is not that detail which you'll think the prophet. No, I want to hear about the 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 the, the flood. The way it is coming to it is that the people disbelieved in him, disbelieved in his proofs. And remember, the prophet Ibrahim has just provided the proofs for God's existence and oneness. And so it's as if there's a there's a, even though there's lots of detail in stories of prophets, and you know Ibn Kathir and Tabari and uh, Ibn Khaldun, they all mention extensive stories about the prophets and what happened and details. You know, I, I believe that the Quran takes a more interesting 
position here, which is that it's not the de small details of the names of the prophets, you know, the brothers of Yusuf والسلام, or what color was his, was his coat or, you know, the kind of details that people start arguing about and, and find it interesting. It's the big message, you know, because the MBA don't come to just give you small pieces of information that you tell the stories and you, in fact, like, you know, the, Joseph and the multicolored raincoat or whatever it is, you know, in other words, you're fascinated just by you know the color of his of his coat. It's not. It's nothing to do with that. It's to do with the big, big topics. And so the Quran will touch upon it, and it comes to the main you know story of, of what, what's been recited today in the in the, in the Arabic, which is the story of Dawood and, and Suleiman. Dawood and Suleiman obviously are, are father and son, which is a fascinating thing. They're also king prophets. In other words, their 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 prophecy and their prophethood is couched and embellished with the, the power and awe of kingship and power, outward power and and strength and authority. And, you know, from that perspective, it's, it's, a, it's a contrast to the Prophet ﷺ because the Prophet was offered by an angel to be given the status of, of a king prophet and he refused. And he's, in, the, in fact, the, the angel Jibra'il advised him to, it wasn't advice, it was, it was prompting him to take the, the, the path of being a slave prophet, a servant prophet of God, you know, with the people, with the poor, serving people, you know, available at all moments. Um, but the Prophet Dawood and Suleiman are different. And so it has this interesting, um, you know, couple of verses here that, you know, for me, it, it comes back to what is this whole chapter about? You know, if you think about the chapter of um, Al-Anbiya, it, it, it's kind of showing, for me, like, Dawood is a father, Suleiman is a son. Who would, who would you expect to give deference and respect more? To, who would give more respect to the other? It would be the son. And also, who would you expect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give precedence to in terms of their judgment, their wisdom, their authority? It would be the Prophet Dawood, the father. And so what's, what happens here is because they're contemporary father and son living at the same time, you have a situation where we actually are shown that in certain situations you can have one prior, one having a priority and privilege and station above the other and not the way you expect. So it's almost like Al-Anbiya are also, they're all, you know, you know, you can say that all prophets, have, you know, remember when we talk about prophets, it's a general consensus that we're talking about hundreds and thousands of people. Mm. You know, we're not talking about 10, 20, 30, like the numbers that are mentioned exactly specifically in the Quran as being messengers of prophets by name. We know in our narrations, authentic, Hassan, Sahih kind of level narrations that we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. And there, there are levels, there are different levels. The MBA are is a plural of Nabi. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, the, the mistake that people could make is MBA, MBA. You know, it's like a category of people that they're all the same. It's like, you know, I don't have a comb here, but I did have a minute ago. My son must have taken it. You know, they're like they're all the same. You know, the the, the the you know the points of a comb. They're exactly the same in status, in honor, in knowledge. No, they're not. Every single prophet. As you were just about to say, these are these these are prophets who have we have preferred some over the other, given priority some over the other, privilege some over the other. Now. The reason why that's mentioned is going to be intonated here is that it's, in other words, the priority is not the way we think the first person was the most illustrious, and privileged. 
What we have in the Prophet ﷺ, he is a Nabi amongst Anbiya. But Sayyidul Anbiya, it's like this, there's this pinnacle. Just because another Prophet was the father of Prophets, another Prophet was the, you know, the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the spirit of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the khalil of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or, you know, the, you know, um, Naji of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, the one that saved or Habib. He is Sayyid in other, all, the, all the categories. Mm-hmm. Kalimullah. So the Prophet is also Kalimullah as, as well as the Prophet uh, Musa alayhi salatu wasam. So here it, it just indicates, you know, when it talks about it, it says that in Dawud and Sulaiman, when they gave judgment, both of them gave a judgment in a situation where, if, um, you know, this is, this is quite an interesting in verse, Ghanam al Qawm, where the sheep of a, par- a, a farmer goes into the field of another farmer, destroys the, the crop, and they come, they both come arguing about what should be done. The Prophet Dawood says, he has a sheep. His sheep destroyed his field. The sheep that destroyed the field, even though they belong to you, they now go to that person. And the Prophet Suleiman said, no, allow me to speak. And he said, sheep, they go to the person whose field is destroyed so he can use them for milk and, and wool until the fields repair themselves and then he can give them back to the owner. Hmm. In other words, you know, what's interesting is it's not that one's right and what's wrong. One is right and one's more right. So it's yeah. also this kind of indication that prophet, prophets are infallible. And what we sometimes say is a mistake. Oh, the prophet made a mistake. And even other people say they sinned, they committed a sin. Look, there's a proof there. That Allah is pointing out in this specific situation that there is a correct judgment and there's a more correct judgment. But then there's a qualification as well in the, the following ayah. You know, it's from we guided young Suleiman to a fairer settlement. So it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who, who gave him that wisdom on that instance for that moment as well. Uh, w- yeah. When they were watched over. Yeah. So if if you complete the if, if, you know if you complete the verse, this number seventy eight is, wakunna lihukmihim shahidin, and we were co- cognizant and aware of exactly what they were ruling on. Fafahamnaha Sulaiman. But it says, um, we gave a deeper aspect of understanding to one of them, which is Sulaiman. So, um, but then you would say, well, that means he was right. Allah says, But both to both of them, we granted judgment, the, the quality of giving judgment and also knowledge. Yeah. In other words, just in case you thought that uh, because Allah allowed Suleiman to have this understanding, it meant that Dawood was bereft of understanding. Allah says, you know, so this is, you know, I think yesterday you asked a question when, when the verse at the end it said something. You said, "Is that because it might be misunderstanding?" This is, this is a jumla, yani which is, means that it's there to respond to a misunderstanding that can come up. Mm-hmm. Just in it's case you think, because it's Suleiman's been praised so much, you'll think, "Oh, Dawood, well, just you know, bad luck. You you don't have any knowledge." And then Allah then starts to. To you know, to strengthen the case of Dawood, who's just been said is less right, you know, less right, not wrong, less right. 
in his judgment. Allah says, And we sent, um, or we, we put at the command of Dawood, the mountains who used to sing God's praises and also the, the, the birds. And we definitely did do that. Now, what's that? It means that the Prophet Dawood was given, you know, even though he's a prophet, a king prophet, you know, an emperor prophet, the Prophet in Sahih Hadith in Al Bukhari, in which the Prophet said that, you know, the best a person can eat from is the is the income from their own hands. And the Prophet Dawood used to eat from his own hands. You know, in other words, he would eat from the produce of his own hands, the Prophet. And so even though he was in a you know in a majestic state, he still had this deep, deep spiritual nature where he would obviously we say he used to sing the Psalms, the Psalms of Dawood Ali Salatu And he had this in tune nature of being able to almost, you know, like, you know, we're told by in the Quran, that there's nothing in, in the universe except that it sings the praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything it resonates in some wavelength with the praise of God. Nobody can really recognize that, or, or at least most normal people can't recognize that. The Prophet Dawood was able to tune into the, the nature of their tasbih and their praising of God and their adoration of God. And so he used to be able to, you know, one meaning could be he used to be able to tune into the inanimate objects like stones and the water and the sky singing God's praises. But also, you know, animate things like birds, animals, things that had life in them also singing the praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, though, and then, you know, this is all to honor the Prophet Dawood, who's just been shown to have less understanding. Allah says, and we taught him the knowledge of how to create the coats of arm. You know, sanat um, labus is like, you know, something like something you wear, but essentially here it means some kind of armory which you use to protect your body. Mm. And why is that done? To In order to protect yourself. Min batsikum from your from your own violence. I don't know how the Urdu is in this, but min batsikum is like God has allowed you the knowledge to make use of the natural world, such as our iron, for example, and to create from it coats of mail that you protect yourself in war. Mm. Why? From your own violence. In other words, there's an indication there that. People will be violent by nature, and you know that societies. If you think about it, and you look at encyclopedias, own, own violence would mean that each other's yes, plot. reciprocal warfare and yeah. um, constant bloodshed. I remember having this conversation uh, years ago here in 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 Pakistan in Lahore. Um, it, this is now I'm talking about 1985. <clears throat> uh, in th there was this um, General Zia. He, he he mm. was. Uh, I saw a poster of him when I was. When my father put a poster of him in my room when I was. <laughs> so he, he he legalized um, arms. Uh, he said you can have arms, but you have to have a license for it. Pre eighty mm. five, people had arms but no license, so they were legalized in nineteen eighty five onwards. And I remember some of the like I, I was young at the time, and the people, older people, my father and them, they were sitting having a conversation, and this mp trying to convince others that it is okay to have arms you should have arms so that you can protect each other rather than having no arms and only one party who's stronger having arms mm -hmm. uh, and becoming victim 
so uh, I'm just remembering it's this. The First Amendment in the, in the American Constitution is it's the right to, to whatever it is to the right to carry arms. Yeah. So in America, that's a constitutional right for the specific reason that the government may be the oppressing party, and to protect citizens from that, they're also given the right to to own arms as a counterbalance to the the, the violence of the state. The state violence. Uh, yeah, at so any point, in the state becomes... starts to become oppressive. Yeah, sure. So it's not. I mean, we, we live in this kind of very uh, different society just now. Different uh, communities where arm is seen. Arms are seen to be something really a, a taboo now. Not something that should be in society. Probably yes. When when you achieve that level or state, mm. from Quran, I see that having arms but having arms for both parties is something which is desirable perhaps in certain situations oh that's a that's a that's a, that's a deeper more complicated issue um you know one of the things about the prerogative to the prerogative to use violence being placed in the, the arms of, in the hands of governments is that as long as things go well everything's everyone's happy I was speaking to somebody from Denmark just a couple of weeks ago, actually, and he was saying that, you know, in Denmark, the government can actually take your children away if they feel that you're homeschooling them and you're homeschooling them in a way that they can't keep an eye on you. And he said, well, and he said you can't do anything at that point because they'll take them into care and take them out of your hands. They're your children biologically. You're not indoctrinating them. You're not abusing them. But essentially the state will become this violent um, party, which for most people they won't care about it because they just want to live like cattle and sheep, just obeying all the kind of the the whims and and cultural norms of a society at a time, even if a person and, and it goes against a person's beliefs. Now at that point you're thinking, well, that is state the, the threat of violence by police. You know, essentially that's what it is: the force of, of the government by police yeah. is the very essence of oppression because it takes away the, the primordial right of a parent and parents to look after the upbringing of the child. And who, who on earth is going to be more concerned about the upbringing of their child than the parents? Mm. I mean, really, I mean, I'm just actually shocked, even by Muslims sometimes, they think, well, you just have to balance things out. And, you know, the state, the state doesn't give a, a damn about how your children are, are raised. If they put them into a home... If you know the history of of, of, of social social um, care systems in any country in the West, we're talking about belt countries, it is is catalogued as being systemically abusive, systemically yes. abusive. I'm not talking about a couple of you know. There's amazing people that work in these, but it's set up in a way that it allows people that are abusive to hide under the radar. That's 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 proven statistically. It's you know article after article research paper after research, but statistics talk about the abuse and, and things. And so to say that the, the governments are in some way concerned, and you know our governments, I mean, look at the politicians, look at the, the nastiness of, 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 of people when they come to power, you know, because it's not their direct concern, it's not important. I don't, I don't think it's important because... And at that point, then you're thinking, well, how can you create a monopoly of, of, of the threat of violence within state structures? Mm. Now, the whole point here is that people 
allow that to happen because they, they have a, a good opinion about governmental structures, that they're transparent, that they're open, and they're and they're and reasonable. Reasonable meaning they'll understand a parent, a couple, a parent, a, a, you know, parents want to not want their children to be educated, for example, in a, in a state structure, and they want to have them open to other ideas. They would say, well, the government would be reasonable in that context and say, it's okay, you can do that. You can, no, what if the government says you cannot? And so you've got these very interesting discussions for people that live in some kind of freedom or want to live in some kind of freedom um, to choose as parents the future of their children and human beings themselves to choose the kind of boundaries within which they operate and not be forced to do things, for example, as Muslims that go against our belief systems, you know, to be for enforced in a way to, you know, abide by certain rules that are against our belief systems. As long as we're not harming anybody, attacking anybody, abusing anybody, you know, why should that be the case? If you mind your own business, but it's getting to the point sometimes where state privilege and structures become so oppressive that they impinge upon the, the private sphere, which is, you know, at that point, you're thinking, well, the American Constitution, the reason for it, allowing that right to arms was on the basis of that. Doesn't mean today the whole discussion about arms and, yeah. um, you know, gun control in America is what I'm talking about. That's a completely different thing. That's that's sure. complete madness, the way that it's been militarized and used by the, the, the right wing and the alt-rights and all the rest of it. That's a completely different thing. But the thing here is, the verse actually, the reason you're talking, we're talking about this is min ba'sikum. Min ba'sikum. You know, Allah has allowed you, and this is a really fascinating thing. It's just like, it's, you know, if you think about it, that God taught the Prophet Dawood to make use of, you know, the coats of mail, which is basically, you know, um, armor. Why? To allow you to be protected from your own violence. Now, it's, you know, if you read that verse, it's telling you something, which is human beings, you know, push comes to shove, they can be violent. You think of, i give you the story of Bosnia. I remember, I don't know if you were there. I'm sure you were in the mosque. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. I was brought to tears. I think yes. most people brought to be had. Um, I think we, we, we were there in that event. I remember that. Yes. Yes. I mean, shocking. I mean, I know people that, you know, were, were I, I know actual people that were, psychologically scarred from hearing about what's happening in Bosnia. Yes. And I remember people, you know, people in my school who went actually went to Bosnia to do um, charity work and left their, their whole pro, um, career trajectory, um, you know, trajectory into whatever they wanted to do. They put it on hold and they went to Bosnia. Now, the whole point there was these were people that were friends, neighbours, used to knock at each other's doors for sugar and salt in the morning if, they, if they'd run out of something. Next day, they're they're knocking with Kalashnikovs with butchers' knives, butchering each other. Neighbors, we're not talking about the next village you never spoken to or people that you didn't like, you didn't share coffee with. Now, what does that say? Deep down, human beings are have the worst and most dark propensity towards violence. There's a kind of history of violence. Even the most mundane, passive individual, no, if you're pushed in the right way. The the um, they just they they they, 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 they have this window into the most grotesque, gratuitous violence that you can you can imagine, and that, there's lots of movies made about this. There's like you know Hollywood Hollywood movies that show this kind of middle class white white collar worker all of a sudden a 
I'm not sure what it's called actually. I'm sure there's a film that said, you know, the person has a bad day and end up like just taking a, a machete and, um, a, you know, a, a machine gun and walking about the streets killing people because they've had a bad day. Everybody put in the right in in in, in the wrong situation, this situation, in in the, in the in the situation that allows it, will become violent. Even the people that are pacifists, and in, in fact, this is a, the, the Animal Farm by by um, is it George Orwell, Orwell, I think it is. Um, no, it's Golding. Um, that's the story about the same thing. How how societies that we consider to be peaceful degenerate into violence if they're left without any kind of structure. You know, the moment structure disappears, like Syria, for example, the yeah. extremely civilized peoples. You know, if, you know, in, amongst Arab countries, I visited the most refined in, in terms of etiquette, manners, very much like the Ottoman, the Ottoman legacy and the and the, and the kind of you know the fineness of their food and you know they had this kind of literary culture and, and they had this on they had this um respect for arabic to the point that it's the only country arab country that teaches you know for example medicine in arabic because they, they, the arabic is so important to them they have a lot of respect and a lot of dignity same thing it just um you would never have thought those people again sharing cities all of a sudden killing each other okay a civil war but, a civil war and so what what you have here you have a situation where god is telling you how to protect yourself because he said min batsikum it's not as if um god is saying tell us don't fight he's saying inevitably two sides go to war and even today i mean people think that you know society is developed and it's advanced and we're you know you know human societies have way beyond what the, the, the time of the prophets, when they were so much more violent. Fair to say that this uh, Iron Age started with Dawud al-Islam? I mean, we don't know. I mean, it, it, Iron Age is, um, you know, that's the, the that's the correlation that most people would make. Um, the Iron Age is obviously because an age within which that kind of um, utility of iron is, is becomes prominent, making tools. But my personal understanding of it is the Iron Age was much more um, primitive in terms of this was the Iron Age, I, from what I would glean from it, is, 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 a, is prior to this age because it's much, we're talking about something much more refined. My, under, my own understanding is that the Prophet Dawud refined the use of metals, not just iron. Yeah. Even though Hadid is mentioned in the context of the Prophet Dawud and in terms of weaponry, you know, Hadid, you don't just take it to be the chemical constitution of iron as we see on the periodic table, you know. Mm. So there's a whole issue there about projecting words that means one thing and taking it back to what our understanding of it is now and saying, well, this is what it meant. So the Iron Age is the age of Da'ud. Um, I think the Iron Age is a bit more primitive. What I have here is, Hadid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we made we made we made um, iron iron again iron hadid. We take we say okay, it's that thing on the periodic table, you know. It, as a, as a as a deeper thing, you can take it to me alloy alloys or from iron itself. So the iron age is when you start to extract the ore and extract the iron. You know, kind of what they call pig iron, which is just the basic element of it. But the the creation of alloys is when people start to make use of metals in war. You know, so you have the Damascus steel, which is like one of the the most, um, you know, one of the most enduring types of steel you can have, which is 
a whole process that took years and years, centuries and centuries of of, of um, development to get to the point that they had this very very strong steel that they could use, and it was given the name of the place that was it was manufactured in. And so the important thing is he was given access to making use of irons and metals and alloys in warfare. But for me, again, it's that general point. It's not that. It's not the kind of, okay, was this Iron Age or this and that. Again, that's the thing that I think we miss when we start, we talk about prophets. We go into these details. I mean, then we start talking about scientific miracles of the Quran. And we miss the big thing, which is human beings, like human beings beware. You will always kill each other. Therefore, God will help you out by making sure you don't kill each other by, you know, just killing people without iron, without kind of some protection. But guess what? Religion is here to tell you not to kill each other. Hmm. But there's a whole point. If you think about it, there, I mean, it's only religions that tell you don't kill each other. If you want to be honest about this, did the Hellenistic, you know, Greek poets or philosophers, you know, essentially speak about this? No, they didn't. It's essentially the the, the kind of axial age of the prophet Ibrahim, Confucian, Taoist um, theology. Um, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, these are, the, these are the kind of ideologies, stroke religions that said, you know, don't do to other people what you would not want them to do to yourself. Also saying, you know, as the Quran says, and the Jewish scripture says, whoever has killed one person has killed the whole of humanity. Now that means human beings are always going to be violent. Religion is telling you that you shouldn't. And this is, you know, the proof of this is the Prophet only killed one person with his own hands. If he, if he could I, I, I avoid still, it, he would. I still, okay, I, I'm struggling with this, this particular thing. In Urdu, it says, "Hamne usko tumhare faide ke liye zira banane ki sanat sikha di thi, taake tum ek dusre ki mar se bachaye, taake tum." को एक दूसरे की मार से बचाए। Yes. So God taught you how to create um, coats of arms so that you could, so that you would be able to protect yourself from one one another's violence. फिर क्या तुम शुक्रगुजार हो? Okay, so that you are. No, so that so will you not be? क्या आप क्या आप शुक्रगुजार नहीं होंगे? The question mark that's hidden in it, like that's what it means. Yeah. Are you still not going to be grateful? Yes, because the whole point is you're going to kill each other. But God has placed within the universe things that through which you can protect yourself from being killed when normally you'd be killed. Ah, and that, that's a point to be grateful. Yeah, that just that. A, but he, you know, it's the like, yeah. There's a point to be grateful, which is God has allowed you to protect yourself. But guess what? There's actually a better way of protecting yourself, which is not to go to war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you understand? So then, you know, it talks about the, the Prophet Adam and his two sons. You know, they gave a sacrifice for Allah. One was accepted, one was not. One one of them became envious because his sacrifice wasn't wasn't accepted. He killed his brother. Hmm. In other words, that that envy and pride creates this intensity and propensity towards violence and killing. And he couldn't protect himself through this. So the unjust was attacking the, the just and the innocent. 
the innocent couldn't protect himself through something that would protect him, he died. Yeah, but but restraint is an option that you exercise after yes. preparing yourself. Yes. But what's understood is, look, if you look at the example of the two sons of Adam, imagine one was stronger than the other. But the one that was innocent and right had the ability to have some kind of protective clothing or some kind of protection that he could you he could use but not based on his power and strength but just because he had worn something he would be able to live so to stop the innocent because of their naivety from being killed Allah's created arms armaments and also um coats of arms the prophet you know in the battle of Uhud, you know, the famous story of story, it's a narrative of the Prophet advising the companions to fight in Medina al-Munawwara. And the, and the young companion said, no, no, we want to go out. We want to show these people that Badr wasn't a fluke. Badr wasn't this glitch. Badr was the new, the new normal, as they say. You know, this is the new normal. That the, the Quraysh are going to be every single time they come, they're going to get punched. And then the Prophet said, no, he said, no, I advise you to stay. And then Hamza said, no, no, we need to go out. And he was the first of the elders to say that. And the Prophet is silent. He, he left and they were speaking. He came out with two coats of arm, you know, two meals of arm. He, in other words, he put one set of coat of arm, which is, you know, kind of circled iron. And he put another one on. And why did he do that? He didn't want to get killed. He didn't. Part of it is not to take, put the person who killed you into sin as well. You know, like sometimes you know that the, that, the, that the anger of a person clouds their judgment to the point that they do something they'll regret. Now, you know, I would imagine that you know, most people, inshallah, would be in a situation where they would rather take the hit and remain innocent but also try and also take the hit, but not be killed, so the person who killed them becomes a killer. Mm. So this is a very, it's a very complicated um, thing, thought process coming here, which is, you know, if, if somebody killed a prophet, you know, if they went out in battle against the prophet, like Khalid bin Walid was there, mm. and the prophet, you know, what did he Khalid process when he met Khalid when he became Muslim? He says, "Inni qad araftuka wa qad araftu anna that I knew you and I knew your intellect would lead you to something that would take you to the truth. Now imagine Khalid al-Walid had struck the Prophet with an arrow. The Prophet had two coats of ar ar, you know, mail on his body to make sure that Khalid wouldn't be you know, essentially damned for eternity. Hmm. You know, there's this deep, deep mercy in a person wearing... You know, the fact that war is inevitable, look at history, look at encyclopedias of war, look at the last century, you know, if you're saying that society has developed to the point that we don't kill each other anymore, look, we kill people through our economic policies in more in more efficient ways than we ever have done through through missiles and, and armaments. You know, when you look at the, the, the conflicts going on around the world, the economic structures that are out there in terms of the disparities and and, and, and the kind of structures that implicitly favor certain types of investments in certain types of countries and people creates more death and destruction than you know warfare does true so true. you know there's there, by nature human if you don't have religion by nature human being and their psychotic nature it leads to extreme extreme pain 
And if you think of, you know, I, I was thinking of doing a course on Imagine No Religion. I was going to entitle it Imagine No Religion. And I imagine all the people that don't like religion would come to it. And then I would start saying, okay, let's let's start imagining. And I guarantee you 10 minutes they would start to, you know, leave because it's too too painful. Because the attack on religion is so one-sided that they don't think what's the what's the purpose of religion. They're told everybody's like done this. We chant and mantra where they say religion's so bad, backward, regressive, ignorant. Yes, a lot of people nowadays who practice religion and speak in the name of religion are just speaking in the name of small groups and sects. But as a as a movement, religion is extremely enlightened, extremely before its time, and extremely um you know, filled with compassion and mercy to the point that it, it structurally institutes, you know, mercy and compassion as being part of the principles of life. Normal society doesn't do that. And so this is why the prophets are so important. They come with the simple message that if you don't worship Allah, you will worship other things. If you worship other things, you will make your own laws up yourself. If you do that, you will end up destroying the world because you have no criteria for right and wrong. Time just now, 8.57, iftar is at 9.09 today. So we have what, about 12 minutes before we stop. Uh, this is Reflections. Uh, I'm your host, Zubair, and uh, I have my guest, Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Surah Anbiya, 21st Surah of the Quran, is what we uh, get commentary on every day. Today, the ayahs, we started at 8 o'clock, uh, 77 till 84. Um, interesting ayahs, Surah Anbiya, uh, the Surah of the Prophets. And in this section, uh, probably after Ibrahim salam's story, uh, the most number of uh, Anbiya that are mentioned are in this section. I'm, I'm, I don't think we are going to finish this today. But inshallah, we'll move on to it tomorrow as well. So today's uh, story, or today's uh, two prophets, Daud and Suleiman, both father and son. And Sheikh, uh, in this, more wisdom has been granted to the son, the younger one. And why is that a highlight? Why was it so important to be mentioned? I mean, it, it's, it's because we assume uh, the opposite. Uh, as, as Iqbal says, Jawano ko piron ka ustad kar. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, it's it's not it's based upon the fact that it's not privilege is not based upon what we assume, the elder, the wise, the the you know the the more knowledgeable, the the one that has more life experience is the one that's privileged in all aspects. The Prophet Dawood was privileged in the fact that he could was in tune with nature in a way that his son wasn't. That he was prob he was more, we would say, you know, he would you would say quote unquote, he, he was given to piety much more in an austere sense than his son, Suleiman Ali Salatu Wasalam. You know, Suleiman was given the 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 full glory of it's like you know the Ottomans, imagine like um Sultan, you know, Sultan Murad the first, for example, as compared to Suleiman the Magnificent. So the full magnificence of the Ottoman Empire manifest itself in Suleiman the, the Magnificent. Whereas Yawus Salim, for example, his his, his son, his, sorry, his, 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 his father probably didn't have that. But he was considered to be much more pious, you know, much more studious, much more reverent, even though Suleiman the Magnificent was also that. Um, 
So that kind of contrast is not what you assume. It's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to whoever he wants. So this is why the verse 81, 82, 83, eh, sorry, 81, 82, actually then balances that off with saying you know, that Prophet Dawah was given all these things. But as for Sulaiman, he was given the command of this of the of the violent um you know um is the winds the reh and 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 um the wind systems and, and and the kind of weather systems um and also he was given barakah in that and also it says that he was given um control over the shayateen which is you know we think shaitan but these are jinn and it was, he was given control even over Jinn that didn't want to be controlled over, which is shayateen. So you have different types of jinn. You have good jinn, you have bad jinn, you have good, the good, bad, and the ugly. He was given control over the bad and the ugly. And they would be at his behest and at his command, you know, doing things for him, doing things that were outside the capacity of normal human beings, going into the oceans and bringing out jewels and being able to construct for him. You know, this was a special special quality that the Prophet Suleiman was given over and above any other prophet. Um, and Allah says, وَكُنَّا لَهُمْ حَافِلِينَ I mean, you know, there's so many different meanings to that. But one of them is that what they did, it was something that God protected, uh, you know, preserved, for example. Um, and that's considered to be like Aqsa, the whole complex of Aqsa, for example, the Haram, the whole area around there, built, you know, massive stones. This is kind of one, considered to be one of those aspects. So what you find here is that story of Daud and, and Suleiman is just mentioned there. Um, I think, you know, not just to show the story of a father-son as a prophet, but also I think that in this idea of privilege being given to one over the other in a way that we don't expect. And if that's the case, then that's the same for all prophets. There's prophets that are more privileged, more honoured, more beloved in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is not going against the whole idea of God sending and commissioning prophets in the first place and so we've got kind of you know we're kind of in the middle of the story of the prophets uh, in terms of the mention they come up in this specific chapter then you're going to have um, the mention of two interesting ones which is the prophet which we'll do probably tomorrow and also uh, the prophet Yunus and they're both interesting because they have their own themes as Ambiya because Ambiya are members of prophets Ayyub, he's a prophet, but still, look what he goes through. He will be going through something that will show that prophets, despite their almost near perfection in human terms, are not free from deep, deep challenges and deep, deep tribulations in their life. Deep, I mean, talking about the ones that bring everybody to their knees that we know of. Human beings... As part of the program, we started something, something very interesting that the number of Ambiya... Uh, are hundreds of thousands and they, they aren't all equal in status they are their power or their illustrious nature uh, and then you mentioned uh, kalimullah khalilullah uh, samiullah um, safiullah all these yeah, kalimullah you know yeah, all, all these qualities of different um, ambiya but they're all in Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as well. You're talking about like, the, you know, it's like Imam Bursiri, he say, he says, All of them, you know, partake in something of the Prophet's bounty. Like this handful from the ocean. Or like this sprinkling from you know, fresh rainwater. 
you know, every prophet had something they took from the Prophet. And you can think about it, the Prophet comes after them. Okay, historically he comes at the end. But he's saying, you know, from the Prophet Isa all the way back to the Prophet Adam, each of them borrowed something from the ocean of the Prophet. He said, some of them, you know, probably a handful, they took quite a lot. But still, if you look at the ocean and you look at what you took, is nothing. The least of them took this kind of sprinkling of blessing from the Prophet. So, in other words, he's saying, you know, this kind of ascension of the Prophet. Um, what does he say? He said you continue to ascend in, in honor and dignity until you reach a, a station. Until you reach the station of the station of absolute proximity of two bows lengths, which will never be attained or never be attempted to be attained. So if you think of the prophets, the one that's not mentioned directly is the Prophet You understand? He's not mentioned as the, from the Anbiya. It's understood that if these are the line of prophets, and this is the qualities of patience, of, of certitude, of you know debate, of power, of influence, um, of sincerity, then if he is the Sayyid al-Anbiya, he's the, he's the liege lord, as we say, or the master of the prophets in that sense. You know, as the Prophet said in Sahih Bukhari, um, Sayyid walad bani Adam wa la fakhar, biyadili wa alhamdi wa muqiyamti wa la fakhar. You know, I am the, 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 the Sayyid, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the master of the, of the sons of Adam in the Day of Judgment without, without boasting. In my hand is the, is the banner of, of, um, of praise of God on the Day of Judgment without boasting. It goes without saying, saying that this chapter is indirectly saying if this is the prophets, then what about the Sayyid of the prophets? And then what it means is the people that are reading it in the Quraysh, remember this is a Meccan chapter, He's, they're being told, you're rejecting not one of those prophets, you're rejecting the master of the prophets. So if all these qualities existed in them, these are all in existence with the person that you're rejecting. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad wa barik wa sallam. Inshallah, we'll be back tomorrow uh, with the story of Ayyub alayhi salatu wasalam, which is one of sabr and one of uh, how to deal with the most deep calamity that one can be in and how to deal with pain. Inshallah. Sheikh, Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.